Okay, we're live. Uh, we're not actually live. We're it's an unlisted stream, so nobody's gonna see this. Okay. Hello there. Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. We have our final episode right here um, for the summer of me, not with Jacob, uh, who is unfortunately unavailable for right now. But we do have a guest here for the final episode of A Theme Between Themes, which I'm very excited about. Um, we have, from the Galactic Podcast, we have Lauren here. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm good, Eli. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. This is the last um, recording I'm doing, as I told you off air before uh, Jacob comes back. So this mm -hmm. is going to be a little a fun little theme between themes to round this out. Um, before <laughs> uh, before we get into theme between themes, though, um, I wanted to ask you. Um, so, how did you get into Star Wars? I like to know about the people we're talking with and how their mm -hmm. Star Wars experiences. Yeah, so you know, I think it's always been around since I was little. I mean, I just remember watching Empire Strikes Back on VHS and just getting, you know, really super involved with that movie and the Return of the Jedi, obviously a New Hope and all that. So it's always been there, I think. And then I think around, you know, the Force Awakens, it really kind of ramped up my I think love of Star Wars even more and then I kind of went all all in with starting a podcast with my cousin and all that stuff. So, yeah, Star Wars has always been a part of my life. And, I, you know, I it, it's gotten bigger as I've gotten older. And, you know, my views on it have changed as I've gotten older. But, that, you know, I think that's part of the experience, too, with Star Wars. You know, it changes as you get older, for sure. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, I also want to ask you, how did you begin to make Star Wars content? How did you begin to um do your podcast yeah so you know it's funny you know andrea and i we you know we always talked star wars when we were at family functions especially when you know the sequel trilogy started again and you know it was just one family uh a family event that we were at we were talking and my brother who's kind of a star wars fan but he's not like a super nerd like we are but he like said he's like you know you guys talk about star wars all the time you guys should just do a podcast about it and just you know go for it and you know, we talked about it for a while after he brought that like kind of idea up and then we just decided to do it. And, you know, it's going to be two years next month since we've been doing our podcast, which is crazy. I really I really didn't think I'd be doing it for two years, you know, for sure. So doing it and just being a part of this community has been really, really, a really good experience and a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. We can sometimes be a little bit of a crazy community. Let's just say that. Um, but, For sure, Eli. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's some there's some great people here, and I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I guess let's um, get into this whole a theme between themes thing. Here we go. Here's the intro right here. You're entering another plane, a plane where we leave behind the logistical issues, canon continuity, and the Easter eggs. Only here are thematic ideas and symbolic imagery. You're entering a theme between themes. What's in here? Only what you take with you. There we go. That's our little intro right there. Um, so Lauren's uh, topics that she chose were about the relationship between two different Star Wars characters, that being Kanan Jarrus and Ezra Bridger, two of the main characters from Star Wars Rebels. Uh, she chose the three Star Wars Rebel episode, uh, Rise of the Old Masters, Path of the Jedi, and the holocrons of fate um which i gotta admit i haven't seen these three in a while i haven't seen 
a lot of Rebels in a while. I've been mm-hmm. um, in a galaxy that's been very focused on Clone Wars because we're kind of in that era, so it's been a while. Um, I know there are a lot of people out there who are like, Rebels is their Star Wars, is their main Star Wars thing. And mm-hmm. I happen to know that you're one of them, and like you know, my <laughs> my my co-host Jacob's one of them, and I, I've never been one of those people where Rebels is my main thing. But I do really appreciate um, what Rebels gives us in a lot of its story ideas. Right, right. It's huge. I mean, I don't know what it was about Rebels, but it was just a show that I think the overall theme of it, the storytelling that they told, the characters that they you know created and came up with you know were fabulous i mean to have like a a lost jedi like kanan to find a new padawan you know like ezra and then to have all those other characters Hera, sabine chopper zeb it was a really great kind of family just you know the the roots of star wars a family themed kind of overall story and it was really really great and you know you follow you know most of it was kind of following kanan and ezra but you know, involved their, you know, you know, their family, their adopted family, which was really cool. So, yeah, Rebels is a huge, I fell into that and I loved it. It's a huge, huge part of my kind of rewatch of Star Wars, for sure. The show overall, it's great. Absolutely. One of the things I was thinking about in terms of Rebels that I really appreciate is, like, I forgot how deep season one can be. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. I remember, you know, season three being absolutely incredible, season four being pretty much one of the best seasons of star wars television ever Agreed. season one's good mm-hmm. like we 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 looked at two uh episodes from season one season one's good it mm-hmm. it doesn't have that expansive feel to the universe that i do love in uh seasons three and four but mm-hmm. the stories they tell make sense the ideas they they offer make sense that it, it's all a very it all feels very purposeful yeah, it you know, season one was such a great setup, in my opinion, that I think when you look at it as a whole, it really did set up so much moving forward with that series and with the galaxy overall, you know? I mean, we we see the rebellion kind of really form within this series. You see these kind of cells that were doing their own thing, like our Rebels friends in season one, and then what that kind of continued on and building this bigger rebellion that, you know, we see in A New Hope and all that. So, yeah, season one, I don't think it, it gets as much credit, like you're saying, Eli, as, like, being a really good starter for the TV show and setting up deep themes, I think, really deep themes throughout the series and then specifically in season one. I mean, the I mean the couple that we're going to talk about, like, pretty deep stuff. I mean, really deep stuff, deep connections to Clone Wars, deep connections to... You know previous star wars material that you know was weaving in within the show it's really good and like you said season one was so good the cameos in it were fabulous it was just uh, an overall great season absolutely i agree one of the things before we dive into it just one more thing i was thinking mm-hmm. about um the intro of like your disney star wars you know the star mm-hmm. wars that's put out by disney what was that in 2014 2015 i was mm-hmm. a star wars fan i wasn't as big as i am now but i'm trying to remember like when we got rebel season one rebel mm-hmm. season two and force awakens mm-hmm. and that's a pretty good starting roster like those three that's like really they, that was their that was their opportunity to say this is what star wars is going to be like moving forward mm-hmm. and they do rebel season one rebel season two and the force awakens which mm-hmm. is pretty darn good if i gotta say so myself 
it's a good start, right? It was. I think it was. If you look back on it, like you're like you're saying, like it's a huge start to that era of Star Wars. You know, I mean, The Force Awakens was probably my first Star Wars, um, Disney era like thing that I got into. Me as but well. That, but that, but right, and but that I think got me into Rebels. Got me into rewatching Clone Wars because I never watched it when it first aired. So. Like, because of Force Awakens, that really opened the doors for me to read and watch other Star Wars content that I was not aware of. So, yeah, I was I was late to the Rebels a little bit, but once I got on it, man, I was just full board. Like, I couldn't wait for, you know, the next episode each week. It was just a good show overall. And, you know, I think one of the better... One of the better storytelling Star Wars, you know, uh, material we have out there, to be honest. Like you said earlier, season four is some of the greatest Star Wars storytelling we have, in my personal opinion. Like, it is. It's that good. It's that deep with lore within, you know, the Star Wars canon. Like, it's it's in, it's incredible what they did with that show. Yeah. Let's uh, get into our first episode, um, mm-hmm. Rise of the Old Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the fifth episode of season one. Yep. Um, yep. and it, it, we have this, we, we're establishing now in Spark of Rebellion, uh, at the very end of Spark of Rebellion, Kanan, uh, sees Ezra rescue Zeb, uh, from Agent Callus in the last minute use of instinct in the force. And mm-hmm. he committed to train him as a Jedi. And this is the episode where we really look at the ramifications of that. About, is Ezra ready to be a Jedi? Uh, is Kanan ready to teach a Jedi? Hmm. Uh, when we get that a lot in Path of the Jedi as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've already said a lot. You wanna? Um, actually, before we uh, do that, I have one more question mm-hmm. to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Why did you choose this? Why Kanan and Ezra? So I, I think these two are some of the most, I think, compelling characters that have come out since we've gotten more Star Wars, right? Since the quote-unquote Disney era of Star Wars, if you want to call it. And I think what they did with both of these characters is really open up a lot of possibilities of, mm-hmm. man, there were, you know, there were more Jedi out there than we really realized, you know? And then, you know, creating this Master Padawan uh, theme show, you know, in many ways, it was really just a great way to start the era and to have Kanan and Ezra kind of lead it was really great. I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. and Taylor Great, like, just kill it every time when they, you know, every season that they were Kanan Jarrus and um, Ezra Bridger. Great actors, great, you know, just great overall, you know, choices for these two characters. So, you know, I loved them so much, and I think, you know, the, the journey of Kanan really from season one to season four is probably, for me, the best, one of the best, if not the best arcs of a character that you can get in Star Wars, for me. I mean, it's it's up there, because another one of mine is Asajj Ventress, is one of my favorite oh, yeah. overall characters arcs, right? Kanan's is up there, too. I mean, you can really, you can, I think you can have a legit debate with people about Kanan being one of the better overall arcs who you can get in a in a star wars like hands down he's definitely up there the the episode that you know we're talking about you know up until that point you know you're kind of you're hitting on it eli like kanan was a very reluctant person to take ezra as an apprentice because of 
his past. I mean, just like you said, like you, we see what happens when he was a young Padawan. He sees his master die, you know, from the clones because of Order 66. And then he's on the run the rest of his life, you know? So like his, his experiences were so limited. His knowledge of, you know, of being a Jedi was kind of limited and he, you know, obviously had to learn it kind of on the fly. And that's what I loved about these two because they learned together throughout this whole series. But specifically this episode, you know, that we're talking about when, you know, Kanan, they get this message about Luminara might be alive and Kanan sees it as an opportunity to, I don't know. I mean, obviously Ezra feels like he's pounding him off, but I honestly feel that at that time, Kanan really felt that Luminara would have been a better choice because of her experiences and everything like that. She could teach Ezra more than he could ever do. But I love what that episode did is, you know, kind of reinforced to not only Ezra, but to Kanan that Kanan was the right choice for this Padawan. Like in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they were both learning as they go, you know, so they were the both, they were the perfect pair to come together. And, you know, it's only reiterated in this episode with, you know, the Grand Inquisitor telling Kanan or telling Ezra that, you know, Kanan's not the right master that, you know, there's other ways and everything like that. So, you know, the the fear of Kanan, you know, of him failing Ezra and not being the right teacher for him was only kind of reinforced through the Grand Inquisitor. And then obviously, you know, after they find out that Luminara actually, you know, had passed and it was all a, all a hoax. You know, I think at that time, and then at that, especially at the end of the episode, you know, we find that those two kind of came together and realized that, you know what, maybe they're not the perfect Jedi or the perfect Padawan, but they're perfect for each other. They're the perfect pair to learn from each other. And, you know, for for Kanan to kind of take that leap of, you know, I will teach you what I know to the best of my abilities. And Ezra being, you know, that Padawan to say, I, you know, I'm here willing to learn. And he calls him master. Like, it's... It's such good storytelling. Like, I love what this even small episode did for their relationship. Like it was really, for me, it was truly the beginning of, you know, the Padawan and master relationship really, I think, took strides from this point moving forward throughout the series. That's just my, that's just my opinion. I don't know about, I don't know what you, how you feel, Eli. I'm, I'm just, uh, so you talked a little bit about Luminara and Dooley. The fascinating thing I like about Luminara and Dooley, and I was talking about this a little earlier, Mm -hmm. um, with the whole idea of stories being told afterwards, enhancing stories that came before, Mm -hmm. um, in, there are two Clone Wars episodes I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Weapons Factory, which is in season two, um, and that was released before this. But then there was another one that was released after this called Dangerous Debt in the Martez Sisters arc. Mm. And I love this idea that Kanan holds up Luminara as this incredible... I have the quote written down. She was a great Jedi Master. Brave, compassionate, disciplined. In mm-hmm. fact, she make an excellent Jedi teacher for you. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that we see in those episodes that Luminara herself had some flaws. Yep. That Luminara herself, you know, um, was chasing down Zero the Hut, and Zero the Hut blew up a building, and the Martez sisters' parents died. And and then she just comes up to them, and she's like, may the Force be with you, good luck! Right, and, right. And they are resentful of the Jedi afterwards because of that. Likewise, mm-hmm. in Weapons Factory, we see... Uh, you know, Barris is forced by Luminara 
to memorize all 200 passageways in the Geonosian catacombs. And we later see that Barris falls to the dark side and is put in prison and has never been seen again. Come on, Dave Filoni. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give Amen. us back Barris. Um, you gotta give us back Barris. Um, but, uh, but I love the idea that, ne- that now knowing that Luminara wasn't perfect, makes this arc even more interesting. Yeah. 100% agree because I think that's the whole lesson, right? I mean, that's the whole lesson that really Kanan had to learn was that, you know, he he's not perfect. The Jedi weren't perfect. I mean, that's a big thing I think that, which I love, I think that we're getting out of like this newer content is that, you know, the Jedi weren't perfect and that's okay. Like that that's kind of part of the journey. You know, you make mistakes, failure, right? I mean, Yoda said it to Luke in The Last Jedi. Failure is the greatest teacher. Like, that's something that I think I love what they do, especially, in, I think, in Rebels a lot, is that, you know, failure is going to happen. You know, Kane, like, and that was a big thing for Kanan throughout, I think, the series is him learning that, you know, he might fail. He might fail as a teacher to Ezra, but he can only do the best that he can do with the abilities that he has given and the lessons that he himself has gone through. And what he has learned on the run and that he knows that he you know doesn't want Ezra to go down the way he did you know which we'll talk about in the in the in another episode another thing i was just thinking about you were talking about also perception the jedi's mm-hmm. perception that that's covered a lot in this episode you know we um we hear kanan say to ezra at the very beginning of the episode Having a laser sword doesn't make you a Jedi. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, there's it reminds me of that line, very similarly phrased from Luke in The Last Jedi. Yep. What, you think I'm just going to walk out there with a laser sword and take on the whole First Order myself? Right. Of course, the irony there is eventually he does exactly <laughs> that. Um, but it, it's, it's, this, it's this fun um, little idea that's thrown around a lot here that Ezra, because of the Jedi's role in the Clone Wars and the Empire's spread of misinformation about the Jedi, Mm -hmm. doesn't really know what a Jedi is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't understand what being a Jedi means. Mm -hmm. In Path of the Jedi, going a little forward... Yoda asks him through this world between worlds facsimile sort of thing. Yep, yep. Why do you want to become a Jedi? Um, and he uh, and he tells um, Yoda he wants to become a Jedi to protect his friends. Mm-hmm. And Yoda, I forgot the exact quote of what he says, but he he's like, "Hold on, there, buddy. That's not <laughs> what being a Jedi is about." Right, um, right. Right. And it's, 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 it's interesting to me because Yoda, and I love Yoda, he's my favorite Star Wars character, mm-hmm. but Yoda um, and a lot of the more progressive-minded Jedi, Yoda, mm-hmm. the Yodas, the Obi-Wans, the, all those people, still do seem to be on this process of two steps forward and one step back. Yeah. Like, they're like, they, you know, Yoda says such great things like, you know, hey, Ezra, seeking revenge isn't why you should become a Jedi. Right. But then we see, um, you're, you were talking about failure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have a weird, I have this, um, 
controversial opinion, which is that, um, which is that Yoda doesn't realize how failure is supposed to work until, mm. like, until he's one with the Force. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even realize in the original trilogy. Because I'm thinking of that very, um, famous line from Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, when he lifts the X-Wing up. I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Mm -hmm. it, he makes it sound like this very final thing. So it's funny to me that Yoda can can say things like "That is why you fail," which shows like his stubbornness, his refusal to change. Mm -hmm. And then he can also say stuff like "Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter," which is which seems like the thing he could have things he could have used twenty years ago when the <laughs> Jedi was order was falling into darkness. All this to say, it's interesting what people believe the Jedi to be, you know. Mm -hmm. Ray again, in The Last Jedi, Rey tells, tells Luke that she thinks the Force is about lifting rocks. No, oh, such a great line. I yeah. Like uh, <laughs> it, yeah, she thinks the Force is about lifting rocks. And it's a power you have, she says. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fascinating to me how... The Jedi, I think this was, I think Jacob said this in one of our episodes. <laughs> He's like, the Jedi need a PR representative. Um, <laughs> because they can never get a single truth straight about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they're always tr have, constantly having to correct people's opinions about who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's so evident, just like you're talking about, like, with the Martez sisters. You know, and how their perception had changed with Ahsoka. But just like you were saying about Ezra. You know, he he only knows what a Jedi, like you were just saying, he, you know, he's so young, he doesn't know what a, you know, what a Jedi is. He knows Kanan is a quote-unquote Jedi, but that's not what the Jedi were, you know, how many other, like, 10, 15 years ago, you know, when, you know, he finally meets Kanan. It's so, it's vastly different. So, and Kanan, for all his faults, you know, he's, he's not a quote-unquote, you know, he was never formally, you know, a Jedi master going through the council and all that stuff. He became it because of what he believed in the force, right? He truly, I think that's one thing I loved about Kanan and well, you know, kind of going into that, this, that episode of the path of the Jedi, you know, like he finally realized that like the, the, the force is really what drives the Jedi. It's not them being these warriors on these other planets or anything like that. You know, he, I think that's what he taught Ezra is that, you know, being with the Force, your connection with the Force is more important than really anything, you know, and that's why I love, you know, throughout the, se throughout the series is Ezra's connection to, you know, animals and how deep that goes. That's such a great, you know, thing for him to learn is that, you know, the, the better connections you have with the overall Force, with whatever, with animals, with, you know, the other people around you, like it's, it's those type of connections that really solidify that that you're a Jedi, that you're there for the people. And that's what, you know, when he was in that cave, just like you were talking about earlier, like Yoda's question about why do you want to come a Jedi? He's like, you know, I want to stop, you know, he basically said he wants to, you know, stop the Empire. He wants to save his people and, you know, do all that. And, you know, that's when Yoda said, you seek revenge. And he's like, no, he's like, no, that's not what I seek. He's like, you know, did... Kanan teach you that he's like no Kanan never taught me that you know what and I loved his response of basically telling Yoda that Kanan along with the others really showed him that it's more about helping others and you know seeing what helping others does to not just him 
but to the people that he helps and the light that, you know, immerses from them and the hope that, you know, comes from doing that. Like, that's a powerful, powerful thing for a young Padawan like him to learn. And, you know, and him learning it from Kanan is, is huge. Like, it's, and I don't even think really Kanan realized it until maybe after this episode. Because when he talks to Yoda, he learns that, you know, he he's only doing the best he can. And that he has to trust his teachings, though limited as they were, he has to trust those teachings and trust and then, you know, and push that type of idea onto Ezra. And that's what, you know, he proved when Ezra, you know, Ezra answered Yoda's question. And that's why he got the Kyber crystal in the end. So Yeah. Absolutely. Deep stuff. Deep stuff in this Great episode, stuff. really. Yeah. Another yeah. thing I want to bring up is the idea of um self worth. Mm-hmm. We see Ezra in Rise of the Old Masters, especially having this idea that he is not worth anything you hear that he's done with me mm-hmm. um you know you know it it reminds me of you know ray ray especially because ray she was a star wars jedi who had her first appearances very close to when Ezra, and they both struggle with this self-worth thing Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was in Last Jedi, your parents threw you away like garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Rise of Skywalker, you're a Palpatine. You don't have any power. That's all his power. That's none of yours. It's mm-hmm. all his power. Um, you don't have any of your own agency. And I and I it's it's an interesting thing where Kanan isn't Kanan isn't doubting Ezra's worth. Mm-hmm. But Ezra feels like he is doubting his worth. It's it's this very mm-hmm. um you know Ezra grew up like you know he's been described as the Star Wars version of Aladdin, <laughs> and I liked that idea in this case because you know in Aladdin he disguises himself as a prince in mm-hmm. order to get Jasmine. Right. He right. he ha- he has to you know he is so unconfident about his own self worth. That That's a really he, good point, yeah. That he has to disguise himself. And the same thing with Ezra. He is so unsure about his self-worth. Even now he's a Jedi. Now he has this special gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... Um, but he can't seem to recognize his own worth. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of that, just like you said, like I think Ezra had such a you know such a terrible kind of maybe upbringing because you know his parents left he had to really fend for himself for a while you know and i think you know when he he felt that kanan wanted to push him to the side and push him to another you know jedi he probably felt abandoned too at the same time of like not feeling worthy of kanan's time or kanan's teachings he felt that, oh, well, here we go. And I think he even said that to Yoda in that in the Path of Jedi episode, you know, being like feeling alone, you know, being abandoned. But then he realizes that, you know, that it's actually I've done it before. I can do it again. I'm a survivalist, you know, and that kind of gave him confidence, too, at the same time, you know, knowing that he, you know, that he can survive and he can do it on his own because he's done it before. But feeling, you know, at in that episode, feeling that Kanan was going to abandon him, that must have hurt, like you saying, that that's, had to hurt Ezra a lot. But then, you know, especially at the end of that episode when he said, you know, I don't want anybody else, I want you. Like, he was telling Kanan, you know, I want to be with you. I don't want anybody else to teach me. 
you are the one that is teaching me, you know, so much more than than just being a Jedi. You know, he's teaching him to, you know, to be more self-aware of others and not just about himself. And that was huge. That's a huge lesson for a kid that's been on his own for we come back to the, quite some time. We come back to the Rise of Skywalker quote um, that I come back to a lot. They win by making you feel like you're alone. Right. Um, and, and we see that quite literally in Path of the Jedi mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we see the um, crew of the ghost. And I'm, just, I'm laughing because I'm just imagining Vanessa Marshall and... Uh, Steve Blum and Tia Sarkar, mm-hmm. um, film like recording this scene, uh, in the there and they're like, yeah, I guess the kid didn't make it. <laughs> oh well, what a shame. Right. <laughs> Too bad. So sad. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a it's a hilarious scene because it's, you know, I can just imagine them being like, are we supposed to be doing this right now? Right. Are, are right. we supposed to be um, are we supposed to be acting this mean? Um, and th- and then soon enough, the Inquisitor or whatever it is in the vision kills them. It's this very you know they win by making you feel you're alone. The the Inquisitor kills Kanan in that vision. Mm-hmm. The Inquisitor in this case in both episodes, but especially in Path of the Jedi because this is all a vision quest that Ezra's going on. Right, is this representation of everything that Ezra fears, mm-hmm. uh, and you know by facing his fears, uh. This is how this is how he becomes a Jedi. This is how he, um, and you know we um, we see in other episodes of Rebels. I'm just flashing to Shroud of Darkness season two. Mm. We see Kanan confronting his own fears, mm-hmm. um, and then he gets knighted for it. Yeah, uh, confronting fear is a destiny of the is the destiny of the Jedi. Also, the Rise of Skywalker. Um, right, so, yeah. right, right. It's huge because I think what it's a huge part of i think a padawan's journey right even luke even luke went down his little vision tunnel in you know in empire strikes back cave so, the learn have you ha- learned have you your failure at the cave yeah right right so you know it, it's important that ezra went through that that journey i mean it, it's 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 a part of you know part of being a jedi a part of you know, going down that road, and because he did it, he got the kyber crystal at the end. So, you know, what he—it's such a huge part of, you know, really Ezra. But even like I said, Kanan learning to, you know, trust Ezra and, and to learn patience with him, right? Because he was about to just, you know, oh, he's taking too long, and then Yoda's like, you know, use what you learn, use patience. Did you not as well? You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, like, it's and, it's such a it's a big thing, right? It's which is funny, thing. actually. I just realized because Yoda has to be reminded that himself mm-hmm. um, in Empire, um, right? Too too old. He is too old. To right. he is re- You are reckless. So right. was I, if you remember. Right. Um, so yeah. it's huge, right? I mean, it, it's just part of you know part of a, a journey for any any Jedi, and seeing it through Ezra, and knowing what he has gone through. In that first kind of you know half of the season, like it's it's big, it's it's huge for him to, you know, come out and realize that he he can be somebody that is on the path to be a Jedi. Because I think throughout that throughout those first you know nine episodes, I, he was scared, especially after that episode when they were in um, Anaxis and you know he summoned that huge creature. Like 
that was terrifying and that's what scared you know Kanan to really kind of be like okay I we got to figure something out pump the brakes right yeah and that was and this was part of that pumping the brakes process is for him to go to and go through a quest just like any Padawan did and he he did he came out a better I think a better obviously a better Jedi and a better person you know Ezra did for sure and learned from Yoda and you know really you know took his word seriously and then again Kanan even just learning that little bit from Yoda at that time like it was needed for as for Kanan because he was very scared because he told Yoda you know I sense I sense it what you know Ezra maybe going down that dark path and he was afraid that you know he was going to mess that up and he didn't want Ezra to go down the same path he did so it's a it's a huge episode I think especially in the first season like to have this type of episode in season one for these two characters was huge and you got even the the yoda boy you know frank oz it was great it was yeah absolutely it was good After. stuff you know yeah. and it's it's a big you know and then for kanan or for ezra to get this kyber crystal i love that he didn't know what it was i mean that just shows how he really didn't you know he was learning he was still learning about the jedi and all that and then kanan's like dude that's a that's a kyber crystal what is that it's the, a lightsaber crystal like so the star wars the at least the new era of star wars has a fascination with characters in the star wars universe who don't know about star wars right <laughs> right that's fair yeah, that's din fair. in the mandalorian is just right. a star wars character who doesn't know about star wars right 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 does this and... look jedi to you <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. great to see ezra you know and i love that end of that episode because you know the whole the whole crew's there, right? And you know Ezra has been working on the lightsaber for weeks, and they've all helped them, given them different parts, even Chopper. You know, so it's great to that moment when he comes down and shows as uh, shows Kanan his lightsaber, and Kanan's like, "Well, it's unconventional, and that kind of fits you, so that's that's cool." You know, but put it, yeah. turn it on, and he turns it on. That blue blue saber lights. It's it's a great, and that's one of my favorite sabers that he had is that it's- first one. It's I an incredible. It. It's an incredible lightsaber, and one of the things I noticed is that I, what I love is that who is the first person besides Ezra to touch his lightsaber? It's Kanan. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, I'm thinking of the moment where Obi Wan tells Anakin in um, in uh, in Attack of the Clones, "This weapon is your life." Yep. And when when Anakin in the in the episode of the Clone Wars, Hostage Crisis gives mm-hmm. his lightsaber to Padme. When when uh, when Obi Wan uh, when I first constructed my lightsaber, Obi Wan told me, "This weapon is your life. This weapon <laughs> is my life." Right. And that's only something you can say romantically, but like that that this relationship that Ezra and Kanan have, that Kanan is the first person to hold Ezra's lightsaber besides him. Mm-hmm. It's huge. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a massive. huge bond of trust. Mm-hmm. It's this huge, it, you know, as much as being a Jedi isn't about holding your laser sword, mm-hmm. the lightsaber is a huge representation of the Jedi. Yeah, it's yeah, a it huge. Is. It's it's you know, there's a, there's something from I think it might be even from Legends, like like relying on your lightsaber as an extension of your arm. It's you're gonna. It's an extension of your body. It's like part of you, and that's huge in High Republic too. That the whole kind of lightsaber, how those Jedi treated that type of you know uh, accessory or weapon or whatever. 
Yeah. Very similar, I, right? I mean, it's no wonder that, you know, most Padawans uh, we see in that arc in the Clone Wars, they go through the gathering mm-hmm. in a very Harry Potter one, just the wizard sort oh, yeah. of way. Yep. It, it, if you have an instrument like that that functions as a part of you, mm-hmm. you better, you're, you're going to bet that's going to not be an easy process to get your equipment for that lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah. cool to see, you know, as an audience, we get to see Ezra go through that journey, you know, and get to that point where, you know, Yoda or, you know, the, the Force felt it was time for Ezra to, you know, become a Jedi and, you know, build his own lightsaber and all that stuff. And it's so cool that his lightsaber, you know, was like a, a retro kind of laser gun too at the same time. Like, yeah, that was such a cool, like, I, that's one of my favorite, like, that's one of my favorite sabers that I think that they designed and that a character kind of came up with because it was practical and it was very useful, especially for what they did. Right. I mean, they yeah. were in, you know, they were more, you know, helping others and, you know, lightsaber probably wasn't always going to you know hold up but you know a blaster might and so using you know the two at the same time was kind of you know ingenious really so i loved i loved that whole like his whole his uh first lightsaber was great and there's and there's a great sort of thing with that where you know it gets destroyed in the season at the end of season two in twilight apprentice uh darth vader destroys the lightsaber Mm -hmm. and i love what that says about the story because the story just went from a two in darkness to about a nine in darkness <laughs> and and the darkness is ramping up and and the and ezra's lightsaber which is the symbol of his first like almost innocence of the jedi mm-hmm. gone see yep. ya bye we yep. are we are now entering this darker era of of rebels storytelling yeah um, and the, which leads right into you know that episode that um the last episode and what Lock we're gonna talk about yep, yeah i mean those first two episodes in season three, man, they were really good, especially that first one. Sets up to what we've all kind of were worried about at the end of season two is Ezra going down a dark path and, you know, yeah. him taking that walker and, you know. Where did Kanan teach you that? He, he did it. That's one of my favorite lines of, in this entire entire series because it it's was so. Chilling. It's dark, right? It's dark how he said it, his answer, and he meant it too. Like, he didn't teach me that. Like, yeah. So that journey of, you know, Ezra and Kanan and Ezra blaming himself for Kanan going blind and what happened to Ahsoka and everything on Malachor, you know, Ezra felt a really big responsibility for what had happened. And so in that, um, in this episode, Holocrons of Fate, you know, I especially the parts where it was Ezra and Kanan talking to the Bendu, you know, it was... It, it was so it was such needed you know dialogue between those two to go through you know this little like yeah the holocron's in there the bendu forcing them to work once together once a secret is known it right. cannot be unknown i mean and the bendu is one of the greatest characters too from this series but you know the, having them you know help each other in for ezra to finally kind of realize and for Kanan to tell him like I don't blame you for what happened in Malachor I never have and I never will and yeah. Ezra needed to hear that you know because I, like we are saying like, need to hear that. like because in the beginning of the series right those first two episodes he felt 
that he was responsible and Kanan, you know, was never really there kind of what, from what we can tell. He never, you know, never was there to tell Ezra that until, you know, until these moments in this episode. So huge stuff with these two because it was, it's big, right? It's a big connection piece with these. It's moving forward too. My God, moving forward. This is, it's huge. It's huge. This episode was really huge. One of the things I was thinking about is about, you know, um, it is about, um, what the Bendu said, to your point, um, if you want it, you must seek it out with him. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at that symbolic imagery there, if we're looking at, like, the, the Sith holocron mm-hmm. is the representation of the newfound struggle between Ezra and Kanan. Yep. Because yep. well, all of the problems come from that thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's basically a box, okay? It's a box, <laughs> but it represents everything, every, every bit of resentment Ezra holds against Kanan, yep. and every bit of worry Kanan holds from for Ezra. Yep. Um, and you know, it, speaking of the Sith and the dark side, I'd love to talk a little bit about Maul. No, oh, um, yeah. because Maul is the anti-Kanan. If it could not, you know, Filoni likes his imagery. He really does. <laughs> and he could not have made it clearer by making Kanan the angel and Maul the devil on Ezra's shoulder. Yep. And Maul realizes this. So what does he do? He throws Kanan out of an airlock. <laughs> and which is, which is interesting. I love this. Um, people complaining about the Leia thing in The Last Jedi. I was just thinking about that today. Rebels did it first. It. Right. Kanan did it first. Rebels did it first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and, and like I, I was watching it and it was like, wow, this looks so similar to Leia in The Last Jedi. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It, yeah. But it, And it worked. It's so... Yeah. Again, how they did that with Leia, and then they did it with Kanan again in season in this season, yeah. which is well before, um, you know, the the uh, Last Jedi or whatever. Like, it was huge, and yeah. for for Kanan to you know jump back in and to know that you know he has yeah. to go save Ezra from doing what he was doing, you know. Oh, but there was there was yeah. a moment before they get to where. Maul had the rest of the crew, and you know they they get they they talk to the Bendu, they have the the holocron, they're on their way, and Kanan tells Ezra, you know, you 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 use the Sith holocron to connect with you know uh, Maul before, open it up and see what happens. And there's a moment where Ezra, you know, he took a moment to think about it, and he decided not to open it, and he said, "I'd rather hear what you think." Yeah. Kanan. So it was it's it, that the beginning of. Ezra learning to, you know, think things through, don't rush into things very un you know, like a like a Sith would. You you know, don't don't rush into it, don't use your anger or your aggression or anything like that. Use it, use your senses, use the force, let them tell you what to do next. And it's a it, huge that's a huge part, I think. It episode. relates to um a um some a conversation that they have at the beginning of Holocrons of Fate. Mm-hmm. Um there are secrets in there that can help us destroy the Sith. Ezra, the secrets in that thing almost destroy you. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a Star Wars dilemma that we go back to all the time on the galaxy. What do, what do you want and what are you willing to do to get it? Right. right. How far are you willing to go 
in order to get what you want. Mm-hmm. It, it's that it's the line that we reference constantly from the Clone Wars episode Lair of Grievous. Mm-hmm. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. Yep. When you go down this cycle, when you it's it's constantly this balance. It's constantly this balancing scale. Um, yep. Another thing I was thinking about is this great this great exchange between Bendu and Kanan mm-hmm. um, after Ezra goes into the cave. This is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Why take his weapon? Oh yeah, he has to learn to solve problems without it. Yep, huge it, lesson. It, huge if we're if lesson. we're going back to the perception of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. What you think I'm gonna walk out there with a laser sword and <laughs> take on the entire First Order? Right. You know, notice and you know one of my minor critiques of The Last Jedi, which is a movie I love, mm-hmm. is that we don't have a full-on lightsaber duel in that movie. That's fair. That's fair. But in that vein, in that vein, you know, when Luke does that Force pro- pro- projection on Crate. Mm-hmm. His and Kylo's lightsabers never touch once. Right. Why take his weapon? He has to learn to solve problems without it. Yep. It's 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 a Jedi thing to resort to violence when you have to. Mm-hmm. But it's an even more Jedi thing to find a non-violent solution to something. Mm-hmm. It's huge. That this is again there there was there's that lesson that you know, he taught Ezra in this episode of learning to use your wits, your smarts, to use the force. Don't use your, you know, your lightsaber as your first go-to, right? Just like you were talking about. Like, it's such a huge lesson. And then the other lesson of, you know, don't blame yourself. You know, don't blame don't blame yourself for something that you had no control or, or I didn't have control. Just like Kanan told him, like, it's not your fault, man. I, I, you didn't do anything. I didn't do anything it's okay like it's okay that it happened we're both alive we can still move forward from this and i think that's a huge 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 lesson for ezra moving forward and especially obviously what happens later on you know that was such a great thing you know about the show is that kanan taught ezra so much little by little right it wasn't just these huge dumps of lessons after lessons like it was just these little weaving moments just like that, like taking his lightsaber away and then saying he has to learn to do stuff without it. Like it's just these small lessons that Ezra finally put it all together at the end of this, at the end of this show. And yeah. it was beautiful. It was and beautiful. It's, and it's also, I love how much Ezra taught Kanan. Yes. Uh, yes. And how much they mm-hmm. taught each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's speaking of Kanan teaching Ezra. I want to go back to the very beginning of Rise of the Old Masters. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a there's a really brilliant series of quotes in here. Mm-hmm. Um, very um, focus. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> well, that makes no sense. How can I do it something if I don't try to do it? <laughs> well, see. Actually, that one confused always confused me too. But Master Yoda <laughs> sure used to say it a lot. That's such a great it line. It sounds yeah. like a throwaway. Mm-hmm. It's not a throwaway at all. Nope. It is, you know, it. they reference it several times through the episode. Mm-hmm. If you try to do something, if you think that you're trying, mm-hmm. then you're not putting the effort you need to. Right. 
to believe in yourself. It's it's about believing in yourself. Right. Um right. and you know, it's a it's it's a you know, it's a it's a throwaway line, but it informs the episode. It informs, you know, um, it informs how the episode shapes itself. Um, right. I'm trying to think if I got anything else on here. You got anything? No, else? you know what? No, not, I mean, those, again, those three episodes to me are a big, like, kind of coming together pieces for those two, you know. I mean, there's there's tons of them throughout the series, but. I think these three specifically, you know, especially the early on ones in season one, just paved the way for what was going to happen later on in this series. And then, like, we get to season three and Holocrons of Fate. And again, you're, you know, they're still, you know, they're still learning from each other. Even after all this time together, you know, the Kanan is still learning from Ezra, like you said. And Ezra is obviously still learning from Kanan. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a huge thing for him to kind of, to dip his toes into the dark side but for Kanan to bring him out of that and for Kanan to show him that no that's not the way this is the way what I've been teaching you what we have been going through this entire time is the correct way and the correct path for you it's not this quick and easy you know using the dark side get, yeah. res- gets results but it's a trap just like he told him in that episode like it's not the it's not the answer it's not the solution to the entire problem and you have to you have to learn that as right and he did finally he really did and it's because of Kanan kind of Kanan's you know very kind of different approach to to teaching Ezra because again he never got formal training really so like this is all brand new to Kanan so you know him not having formal training probably really benefited Ezra in, in himself really because he kind of had to learn on the fly like we've been talking about so you know, the kind of unconventional way of teaching Ezra, I think, helped more than it really hindered in, in the long run, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. Maul is the anti-Kanan, because mm-hmm. Kanan is this older brother father figure to Ezra. Right. But Maul is only using Ezra. Right. It's very clear that, you know... What Mole wanted Ezra to do was combine that holocron and go all the way with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that didn't happen, it all starts to go downhill, honestly, with right. Maul and Ezra. Until right. eventually in Twin Sons, where Ezra actively aids in his demise. Right, right. I mean, it that yeah, that whole journey of Ezra and Maul really throughout season three was was really good stuff because again. It's that what you're talking about earlier, Eli, the the angel and devil on Ezra's shoulders, you know, it was huge that Kanan was the angel, obviously, Maul was the devil. And, you know, Ezra had to see that that wasn't the right way to do things. You know, he had to he had to go through that process to learn. Right. Like it, it was like you're saying, it was inevitable for for Ezra to 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 do what he did. But he learned from it. What in and that's what. Kanan could only hope for you know was that Ezra would learn to you know not go to the dark side and he did because later on in the season three you know when they go to uh Dathomir and go to the cave like Ezra doesn't you know he knows that this is not what he should be doing he knows that Maul is just trying to use him so you know Ezra did learn you know what and he learned from what Kanan was telling him 
that that's not the way and that this is the you know the path that you're on is more true when you don't do things quick and easy and that you listen to the force and trust yourself and everything like that so again it's just great storytelling overall for absolutely you know i agree i guess i'll just end on this one which i think is an interesting um the reluctant master trope in star Mm. wars you know uh you're undisciplined and full of self-doubt and whose fault is that master Mm -hmm. you know there's that you know i think of obi-wan uh in a phantom menace telling anakin you will be a jedi i promise but not looking so sure of himself in that moment (laughs) um i think Mm -hmm. of you know luke uh in and ray in last jedi you know uh, you're supposed to restore balance in the force and defeat the first order go away (laughs) um and you know we have those we have those people who aren't looking for to be a teacher kanan was not looking to be a teacher no but the best masters are the ones who have that thrust upon them and then take it in stride yep and then and then go with the flow yep you know Ray was a much better Jedi after what Luke taught her. Ezra was a much better Jedi after what Kanan taught him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Anakin... Okay, we're gonna get back to Anakin. But, like, you know, <laughs> uh, the dark side complicates that a little bit, but Anakin was a better Jedi after what Obi-Wan taught, taught him. That's... Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's really, really fair. I mean, that that's it's such a big thing, like you're saying, the, the reluctant... The reluctant teacher. I mean, you see it a lot in Star Wars. You see it in the High Republic. You see it in Clone Wars. You see a lot of it. And it just makes sense, especially with Kanan, especially, you know, his his experiences up until that point, you know, of seeing Ezra. I know he's been on the run. He saw his master, you know, killed in Order 66. So the reluctant part of him made sense. But it took this young, you know, this young Padawan for him to realize that he had a higher purpose, you know, that he had a higher purpose within the force. And then obviously we see that come to full circle in season four, you know, so it, it's, it's a journey of, you know, not just a panel one, but a master too, like you're saying, yeah, like it's, it's, a, it's a full circle journey for both of them. It's just absolutely great stuff. Great I'm going to end with this little detail, um, which I just thought of. We see, um, Kanan, when Kanan's tortured by the Inquisitor at the end of season one of Rebels, mm-hmm. I remember he says to the Inquisitor that his master's last words to him were run. Mm-hmm. And we then see that, of course, in the first episode of The Bad Batch. Yep. When Kanan is pinned down by the Inquisitor during their lightsaber duel and rise of the old masters, Kanan tells Ezra to run. Mm-hmm. He doesn't die there, of course, but like he thinks it's the end. And I love that little parallel there. We have these. We have Kanan realizing what it must have been like for his master back then. Yeah. And that's good stuff. Him, yep. yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. awesome. It's a really good point, Eli. Really good point. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's it for uh, this theme between themes. We still have some stuff. Uh, we have everyone's favorite part of Star Wars in a Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion <laughs> we have one quarter portion which is uh the section of star wars in the galaxy where we do a little something different um this uh throughout the summer recording sessions i've been doing this thing called quick rank where i give 
uh, categories, and we'll talk about our top five from these uh, categories, if that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, The first one I have is top five Jedi characters. Ooh, okay. So, top five Jedi characters, and I'll go with Rey's one of them. Rey was one of them. Um, Obi Wan. I'll, I'll consider Ahsoka a Jedi character. Even I know she says she's not a Jedi. I, but I, I, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. And then I'll go Kanan and Ezra, man. I, I really do. Those are my top five. It always changes, though, right? Like, just yeah. in the moment right now, I would have to go with Rey, Obi, Ahsoka, Kanan, Ezra. I think those five really embodied what a Jedi was really meant to be right that's just my that's just my take like they really embodied who they were what they what they really stood for in the end of you know of everything you know they were the embodiment of of a jedi and what they what they represented so those are my top five i'm gonna be very i'm gonna have five very boring choices here um yoda ray luke scott sorry I misspoke. Yoda, Ray Skywalker. We have to call her by her proper name. Yoda, Ray Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Ahsoka Tano. Yoda's my favorite Solid character. Yeah, uh, Yoda's Solid my choice. favorite character in all of Star Wars. I know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure those are my top five Star Wars characters in general because I'm a huge mm. Jedi fan, just in general. But those five are the Jedi who are most um, easily able to recognize their mistakes. Um, Ooh, that's a good point. And and to learn from them and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would add some other ones, like honorable mentions, of course. You know, we ought to mention people like Ezra Bridger, mm-hmm. like Kit Fisto, mm. like Ben Solo, like um, all of those all those people. Um, I feel like we definitely got to mention in there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the next one is, an, is a little interesting one. I've been thinking okay. about this one for a while. Okay. Um, top star, top five Star Wars middle portions, and here's what I mean by middle portions. Either it can be like the second act of a Star Wars movie from any of the movies, mm-hmm. or I'm thinking like you know like episodes from seasons two, season two or three of uh, Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. right in there in the middle, or like you know seasons three and four of the Clone Wars, right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, like stuff that really feels like a good like climactic point in the rebels. So I'll stick with rebels for 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 a couple maybe. Um, if you're looking at season two, season three of rebels, I mean, you look at a the finale of season two, you know, with uh, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice, some of the best Star Wars I think we've ever gotten. Whether that's animated, act, live action, movie, whatever, I think that. Those two episodes are huge, 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 huge within the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars universe, Star Wars galaxy. Um, okay, so the second act of I think The Last Jedi is some of the best stuff ever, ever. I think we will get um, within Star Wars. I, I really do. I think that whole second Praetorian half, guards, yes. Kanto bite, like it's good yeah, stuff. It's, good. it's good stuff. I mean, throughout that, you know. Um, Throughout that movie, you know, it, it built it built up to that second half, and that second half just took off uh, after you know after that first half. You know, you get the Ray and Luke confrontation, you get Ray and you know, Ben Ben Kylo's you know uh, fighting together. It's a lot of good stuff in in Last Jedi second half. Um, 
Honestly, I think the second half of Empire Strikes Back is 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 deep stuff. The I second mean, act of Empire, yeah, yeah, it's deep so, stuff. Yeah, deep that stuff. was on my list as well. I'm, yeah. I'm going to talk about because <laughs> Empire is not one of my favorite Star Wars movies, but the okay. second act of, I mean, I like all of them, but like the second mm-hmm. act of Empire is. I think, in my opinion, the best second act of a Star Wars movie, period. I, I wouldn't disagree with you. It, it's really that good, right? I mean, there's just yeah. deep stuff, deep, deep, you know, Star Wars Dagobah, the asteroid yeah, field. It's... Like, that's that's where, that's where, it's good I like stuff. that adventure-headed stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think another one, um, if I'm, like, Rogue One. Rogue One, second half of Rogue One. Was fabulous stuff. I mean, just some Second really deep, row one. Yeah, absolutely. deep, deep stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, just good canon, great. You know, obviously Vader stuff that we got the hallway scene, but you know, the whole thing on Scarif was was awesome, amazing. You know, the fights and what Jin was going through. It, it's just good stuff all around. Um, yeah. The final one that I can think of, um, overall, the second half of. I'm trying to think of like another like Rebels. I mean, this really okay. I'll say this: the second half of season four of Rebels is probably, you know, from I think episodes maybe what uh, like six on or even just like, like Jedi eight. Knight. That's kind of the second the act. Whole, of yeah, I mean even, Jedi yeah, Knight. That's kind of, yeah, kind of the like, second act of yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that whole second half of that of season four. Again, yeah. some of the deepest Star Wars lore we have gotten. Oh, yeah. And I think Absolutely. it's some of the best Star Wars, like, just not weird, but just different. But it was fabulous. You know, the world but between it works. worlds. Right. World between worlds. Kane, you know, the Jedi Knight. I mean, God, that's just deep yeah. stuff. Deep, 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 deep Star Wars, you know, lore and everything. And I, I loved it. So those are probably my, 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 my favorite second half parts. I'm going to go with um, something that's right smack dab in the middle of The Mandalorian. That's The Marshal, the season two premiere. Um, you know, it, it, it feel, you know it's, it's that very good beginning of that season, but it's also the very good, like, the continuation. The story continues. Mm-hmm. I've talked so much about how much praise I have for that episode of The Mandalorian. The Marshal is great. Good As I alluded to before, um, Empire's second act is the best mm-hmm. se- second act of a Star Wars movie. Agreed. The Dago buzz and your asteroid fields and, you know, Lando's not a system, he's a man and all that kind of stuff. It's it's the mo- it's one some of the most adventure Star Wars has felt mm-hmm. um, until maybe, like, I, like, Rise of Skywalker feels very adventurous in the first act of that movie. But oh, like, yeah, first half, yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, um... The third one I'm going with is an arc that's placed right in the middle of the Clone Wars, and that's Mortis. Ooh, um, good call. Like, the crux of Star Wars right there, um, and all of the stuff with the daughter and the son, and we did a crazy episode uh, on that, this was, I don't know, a few months ago, called The Nature of the Force, um, mm-hmm. which was, was so fun diving into that. Uh, you can cool. never go wrong with the movie that Mortis is, is so good. Yeah. Oh God. I, I'm gonna I'm moving on to my number four. You can never mm-hmm. go wrong with my favorite movie in the Star- Skywalker saga, and that's Return of the Jedi. The second act of Return of the Jedi is flawless. Yep. It's just flawless. Like, like the the scenes on the home one, I'm with you too. The, the beginning stuff on Andor, the stuff with the speeder bikes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite second arc of anything. I think that's probably Empire, but like. I like Return of the Jedi just generally more of the movie than Empire, and mm-hmm. the second act is great. Yeah, agreed. Fifth, 
I'm going to go with a sleeper pick. Second act of Solo, a Star Wars story. Ooh, I was thinking that. Yeah. I, I don't Second act of Solo. It's where that movie breathes. It, like, I'm not as big of a fan of Solo as some people. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I, I'm not, like, I don't love it. Uh, but the second act on Kessel, um, oh. the stuff we see on Kessel is pretty darn good. Yep. The stuff we see, you know, with, um, uh, like the the death of L three and mm-hmm. you know the um the Kessel Run finally gets seen that in action oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff uh, is is very good. I really like that. Yeah, um, so I I that's an honorable mention for me for sure. Solo that second yeah. half of that movie was just you know I think after the the train raid and all that like like you're saying the Kessel Run all that you know getting back to um. Voss, you know, Voss and the the switcheroo and all the fight in the like this. It's good stuff. Like that was Solo was such a fun movie and for what it did. And it's just it was just a good fun ride. And but that second half really, really peaked. It it did. It made that movie uh even that that much better. You know, yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed um, it for sure. So now, um, we got some, I I called them the speed round before, but I'm not calling them the speed round because if I know one thing, Star Wars fans and Star Wars content creators are terrible at taking short amount of time, short short amounts of time to answer (laughs) things. So, um, so I'm just gonna, we have our little interview questions. Um, got 10 of these, uh, hard hating questions. They'll be, I think you'll find them pretty tricky. Number one (laughs) is, uh, very tricky. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Asajj Ventress. She's my favorite favorite character. I think her overall arc is again some of the best and I think you know, I don't think it's talked about enough her her journey, especially when you read Dark Disciple and you see the completion of it cuz man, I would love to see that in animation, but even reading it in a book was 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 damn good and you know, her overall character was just one of it was so good. I mean, the torture and the the redemption is just it's it's good it's good yeah I I do like I've been I I've liked Ventress's character more and more over the years yeah um okay uh next question what is your Star Wars movie ranking if you don't have a ranking like laid out you can do like a top five or a favorite mm-hmm. or a top three or something like that oh man so you know my I'll, I'll say this rankings for me I I, I enjoy them I'm not a huge ranker because I think it, it it changes for me like on a daily basis you know like just yeah it, it's kind of like you know you you probably go through this too Eli. like what what your mood is like what's your what 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 Star Wars mood are you in you know yeah. it could be could be Return of the Jedi could be Rise of Skywalker yeah. it could be Phantom I, Menace you know I like, feel like I'm changes. always in a Return of the Jedi mood that's the one that doesn't <laughs> change fair. for me it's like, you know, sometimes I'm in a solo mood, sometimes I'm in a Revenge of the Sith mood, sometimes I'm in, like, a Last Jedi mood. Mm-hmm. I'm always in a Return of the Jedi mood. That's always. fair. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll go with, like, my, my top five movies would probably, I mean, these aren't in, like, you know, any particular order, but the five that I probably watched the most is uh, Empire Strikes Back, Probably Last Jedi, Revenge of the Sith. That's three. Um, I watch Solo a lot and Rogue One. Honestly, that's these are just ones that I've been watching more recently. Those are probably the five. Yeah, they're they're all they're all great. Honestly, I think. Right. <laughs> Number three. 
and I, I'm going to like include a little bit of a caveat on this one. Okay. So it's favorite non-movie Star Wars media that people are missing out on. Mm-hmm. But I know you're going to answer Rebels. So <laughs> that's fair. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, answer the question and then answer the question excluding Rebels. Okay. So excluding Rebels, I honestly think, and I hope this works, high, the High Republic, if you're not reading those books, whoo, you're missing out, man, because it is some fascinating storytelling, fascinating characters, the lore that they're building and just what's going on in the galaxies great stuff like i would highly recommend especially if you if you and i just listened to kevin scott's latest book on audio that was my first star wars book i listened to audio and man it's fun i mean just the the production they do with those audio books i didn't know you know the sound effects the the mark thompson reading it is fantastic i highly recommend the high republic stuff if you're not reading that material Absolutely. It's a must. Like, Led the must. Jedi Rising Storm into yeah. the dark, reached crash point power, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay, next question. Uh who is your favorite Star Wars background character? Everybody has one. Ooh, background character. You know, I God, there's so many good ones, you know, for background, but I gotta say, the I don't know if they're really considered background, but the the two guys in the cantina in A New Hope that bother Luke, or the guy that gets his arm uh, chopped off. Amazon and Pondabala, <laughs> yeah, I consider yeah. them background characters. Those, they showed up in the comics a few times, but like, you know. Yeah, because yeah. and, and they were in Rogue One. They did like that yeah. real quick. You just animal. watch yourself. <laughs> right, yeah. Those two are probably my, you know, that come to come to my head the most are those two, I think. Yeah, for sure. Amazon and Pondabala, yeah, yeah. good ones. Yeah. Um, my favorite my favorite thing is like I'm I'm a Star Wars trivia buff, so like anytime mm-hmm. I get to hear about characters who only are referred to by their last names and I hear about their first names. <laughs> nice. Dr. Cornelius Evazon. Right. Or right. I found out recently, I just got uh, somewhere in here, I don't know where it is. Um I just got the new Clone Wars character encyclopedia and I found out that remember Admiral Killian from the end of uh season two of the Clone Wars? Vaguely, he has a first name yeah. that I didn't realize. His first name is Shoan. Shoan Killian. Shoan Killian. Star Wars they, names they, are the best. They, they don't have to. They just do. <laughs> right. They just they just they just give them first names because why the heck not? Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, that's good. Uh stuff. yeah, it's awesome. Uh Okay, next question. Mm-hmm. Co- what in your opinion is the coolest Star Wars species? Ooh, I got to go with Ahsoka. Uh, is it, I think it's the tro Togugras? I can't pronounce it. Togrutans. I think they're the coolest, honestly. Yeah, I think just the look of them and just, you know, because I I guess maybe because I am a big Ahsoka fan, like I just love that species. Ahsoka, Shakti, and all those. I love love that species. That's probably one of my my favorites for sure. I think it's got to be them. Especially in High Republic because you're getting more of that species in the High Republic. So it's kind of cool seeing, you know, learning more about them way you know like 200 years prior to yeah. so it's and cool. in the clone wars with the kiros arc um mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh next question favorite star wars planet what is your favorite star wars planet Ooh, i gotta go with naboo naboo is just it's classic it's it's you know it's the, the start of it all right i mean it's where we start in phantom menace like it's just 
it's it's the home of you know Padme Amidala, and she's the mom of Luke and Leia. Like it's just good stuff. Like Naboo, it's beautiful. I'd love to like visit there. It'd be awesome. So Naboo, yeah, for me. good stuff. Um, I love Naboo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were in the Star Wars universe, what would your job be? Ooh. I would hope I'd be like on the good side, so like maybe I don't know, maybe maybe owning my own like I don't know shop or something, uh, or maybe being like a uh, like maybe having like a uh, like a food truck in space in some way, shape, or form, going to different planets. Or... A space food truck, <laughs> yeah, like something like that. that. <laughs> something some kind of low key like that, or. If I really was in the the dark side mood, I'd probably be something like a, like an imperial uh, IB agent, like Callus or something. ISP. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. That that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, in uh the behind the scenes documentary for Episode One, The Phantom Menace, George mm-hmm. Lucas says a quote that I quote often on the show. You know, it's it's like poetry. You know, they rhyme. <laughs> Every stanza sort of you know rhymes with the last. Hopefully, it'll work. <laughs> um what is your favorite star wars it's like poetry you know it rhymes moment it could be from anything it doesn't just have Ooh. to be from the movies i think honestly there's a couple things that come to mind one the hello there like you hear Co- you know obviously kenobi says it and then you hear in rebels since we're talking about rebels ezra says it in season four uh yeah. when and, they're in and grievous when, says it before yep. obi-wan yeah. And Obi Wan says it in New Hope before Obi Wan. <laughs> right. So the the hello there is, I think, one yeah, of those things that just that sticks with it. Yeah. Then I think the other thing that just comes to mind is just, you know, the the overall theme in Star Wars of like family. Like that's just yeah, it's it's huge. It's with huge the ghost crew, that. there's mm-hmm. a mini family and every um in every trilogy you know yeah every animated um, like there's just that theme right of, i could go theme. into depth about how much i love ray skywalker but i'm not going to because i've done that <laughs> so, so much already um That's but fair. like yeah it, I, I, I i love that moment mm-hmm. uh because of that family thing a lot yeah, um yeah. if you could take one item or force power from star wars into the real world mm-hmm. what would you take I mean, the easy answer is lightsaber, right? I mean, who wouldn't want a cool lightsaber? But I'll go with, besides a lightsaber, I'll go with a uh, speeder bike. I always a wanted. bike. I always wanted, ever since Return of the Jedi, man, I wanted one. Those things are so cool. I would love to, to ride one of those things. That'd be awesome. So speeder bike for me. Awesome. That's that's a good answer. Um, finally, the final question. We've had a bit of a pronunciation um, disagreement with Devor from a large view of the Force. Um, and because of that, it's become the butt of a joke um, that we do in every guest episode. I'm just going to pull up the name of a character, um, and you, you just tell me how you pronounce the name of the character. That's all, okay. I, that's, all I, that's all I want you to do. I cannot. I'll say, is it Zem Winnell? That's how I say it, but again, I... Zam Wessel or Zam Wazell? Wazell. I'll say, I'll say Sam Wazell. Wazell. Oh, you're a Wazeller. You nah, are I'll a say Wazeller. Wazeller. I'll say Wazeller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the first. Before um, <laughs> you are now vindicated, um, every single person up to you, except for him, has said Wessel. Wessel? Um, I'll yeah. say Wessel. So here's the controversy. I, I, I learned it as Wessel, mm-hmm. but in a video game, in the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game, which is no longer canon, um, she introduces herself. She says, hi, I'm Zam Wazell. Was that okay. And, okay? and 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 Jacob and I looked around and we were like, "What? 
Why does she do that? Her name is Wessel. <laughs> the crazy part is there's no pronunciation guide on Wikipedia, the canon section. In the legend section, it accepts both. Oh, so nice. we just don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a fun one. Um, I'm terrible. Yeah. I, that's what that's one thing about Star Wars is that I, I as much as I love Star Wars and like the names they come up with, I I hate trying to say them. Yeah, oh my god! Awful. Like all the Tusken Raiders and the Thrawns right. and all that stuff. Right. Like yeah, the, forget yeah. about it. Forget about it. it. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah um. I think that's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars and Galaxy. Thank you so much to Lauren for coming on uh, the show. Uh, this is the time where uh, you can plug where you can be found and all that kind of stuff. All right. Awesome. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Eli. This was fun. I love talking Rebels. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a talking Star Wars all together. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so you guys can follow me, uh, Lauren, at Knows on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the Galactic Podcast at the Galactic Pod on Twitter. And we are on all the major platforms, Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the good stuff. So just look us up, find us, and you will find all of our episodes. We got 74 out, which is crazy. That's nuts. It's crazy yeah. to think about, yeah. The grind continues. Um, <laughs> the grind yeah. continues. Yeah, um, and you can find us at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter, at Star Wars in a Galaxy on Instagram. Uh, you can... Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Anchor. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, we will be there next week. Hopefully, um, I say hopefully because <laughs> things with this podcast are crazy. Um, Jacob and I are going to be back on our regular schedule, posting regular episodes, um, not pre-records. We're <laughs> going to be looking at the Clone Wars episodes, A Friend in Need, Deception, and Friends and enemies um hopefully uh who knows with this show um yeah but anyway uh thank you so much for listening again and may the force be with you always